0: Deep shock. Deep shock.
1: What is this, Universal
2: Studios Halloween Horror Nights 2017? You're a horror guy. You should know. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what that is. Universal Universal Studios, so it's like
3: uh, Dracula, Wolfman, that kind of shit? Universal Monsters? It's like not Scary Farm and. um, Oh, it's the the theme parks. Universal Disney Halloween Nights? Get it?
1: Theme parks have learned it is very, very profitable to completely overhaul their parks during the Halloween season. Throw, make about five or six haunted houses mm-hmm. with certain scare zones. And yeah, basically have their own haunted theme park for about a month, month and a half. That's like really ad-
4: cool. Much like the Adventure Dome becomes, uh, what the hell's it become? Fright Dome. Fright Dome, that's right. Yes. Has anybody here ever, ever, ever oh.
1: tried out for that? Has anybody ever auditioned for that? Nope. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked in my share of haunted houses, but Freakling Brothers, all I've worked out for mm-hmm. here in Vegas. Okay. It's fun work.
4: Yeah, if you can Fun get work. it, I'm considering it. You should. Well,
1: they're hiring real soon. If I know,
4: I, know, I got to figure out when. Yeah. I, when, I, when I was a reporter, I always got the uh, press release about when they were hiring. They went that. <laughs> of <but> course. <clears throat> now you got to do what the rest of
2: us do. Google. Yeah. <laughs> What's this?
1: <laughs> but Halloween Horror Nights, especially the one in Orlando, that one is well known. They get. Uh, celebrity designers for their haunted houses. Clive Barker's been one. Rob Zombie's been one mm. quite a few times. Ugh, Rob and, Zombie. And of course, they own so many horror properties anyway right. that that licensing is not an issue. So, Halloween horror nights. That's Orlando. That's probably number one. Knott's Berry Farm is number one if you're on the West Coast.
3: Hey, welcome! Doing? Welcome it's to Geek Shop mic.
1: number four oh four. Wow! <laughs> it's your are mic. You dude. okay, Kirsten?
3: Kirsten is. Kirsten is Andy tonight. Spider Man. <laughs> Spider Man. It's wrapped up in cords over here.
2: That's it's, like the Bermuda it's, Triangle
1: it's, for you, right a, there. It's a C three
4: PO falling <laughs> up down into the pit. Oh. oh, oh.
1: So, so I'm going to try it again. I am Master Torgo.
4: Eighties Jeff. Commander K. Back, Jack, Andy.
2: Preacher Man Matt.
4: (laughs) Preacher
1: Man Matt. (laughs) We can geek. Missionary (laughs) Matt. Yeah, Yeah, and his missionary finest of Uh, uh, white button-down shirt, black pants. Let me tell you
2: about the good book.
1: For
4: some reason, I'm not getting Missionary Man out of you so much today as good humor man. You're getting Michelin Man. Yeah, it's fine. I'm I'm, I'm getting good humor man. (laughs) Damn.
0: Wow. Stay puffed marshmallow man who stood in a fire. (laughs) Stay puffed marshmallow man. I think I said this is
4: okay (laughs) okay earlier. I I, I, uh, recognize that I, too, have the body of a movie star. Unfortunately, is Bob Hoskins and Roger Rabbit.
3: Okay, yeah. Well, I just finished. I was gonna say Fatty Arbuckle, but <laughs> sure. Why not? Oh, oh wow, man. wow! <laughs> Fatty was a very I, large man. I was gonna say that's a little bit more your oh, yeah. your era there. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you and looked at pictures? double whammy. <laughs> have you looked at pictures of Curly the fat guy from Three Stooges? Yes. Not that
4: fat. No, not really. really no. I've never heard him called Curly the fat guy. Everyone thinks of him as a fat guy. Well, he's larger than the other two, right? But uh, that's when you would describe him well, as he's really skinny the mean now. guy, the
2: fat guy, the crazy hair. He's really skinny now. I always thought, like of, him really skinny.
1: I always thought of him as the bald guy. Uh, that too. Yeah.
2: And they're all brothers, were they not? Like real life? Uh, no. no. Um,
4: I cousin, thought you were going to roll there a into A couple the, of them related. Um, big, fat, balding guy. With cousins, stubby Cigar. Oh, and Howard. Flipped.
3: And uh, Larry. Curly Howard. It was Curly Howard? It was Larry God, Moe, Curly Shemp, and Curly Joe were the ones that I recall.
1: Yeah, yeah but they were, were, were they related? Yeah, uh, um, some of them were. Uh, Shemp, them were. Shemp and Moe were. were, for sure. Yes. yes. Shemp and Moe. No. They they did look very similar. Yeah, yeah. Shemp was more the Frankenstein Moe. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Uh, it's a bit I watch
2: on El Ray Network. So, you got two weeks' worth of stuff to tell week. El Ray. El Ray. I didn't know it was uh, created by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah, I just realized. So that that's why Danny Trejo is on there all the time. You should right? you is should there, listen uh, to this podcast called Geek Shock. We talk about
4: that
3: kind of, <laughs>
2: of stuff. You Did not
4: talk about. We that. did talk about the, the L- network. We, didn't. we totally talked about we the L- already, network. Yeah, what, we like actually did. What,
2: yeah, three years ago or something. Yeah. Something like Probably that. that. No, okay. before my time. See, I don't care about the uh, dark ages. You don't care about
1: the. T- okay. You don't listen to the ones you're not on. Exactly. That's right. I don't even listen to the ones I do. I took it away from you. Oh fuck you.
0: <laughs> yeah, too bad you won't hear that next week.
2: <laughs> oh, They were having the uh, hashtag Fists of Fury weekend, so it was all the Bruce Lee ones, Karate Kid, things like that. It was pretty good. Bruce Lee yeah. was in Karate Kid? <laughs> no, Karate Kid plus all the Bruce Lee movies. It was Put a
1: cameo. Put the fucking
3: pillow down. God. <laughs> At this point, Andy is just standing off to the side, holding the pillow, fluffing it, <laughs> yeah, and just getting ready. <laughs> no, no, he's actually, fluffing. actually, Matt,
0: you, you learned on Sunday, Andy is the pillow. <laughs> yes. He just leans yes. right over you and just slowly sinks down. It's pretty damn creepy. So we'll be playing
2: We'll be playing uh, Imp Ass as we like to, Imperial Assault. Is Imp, Imp-, Imp- is Ass is now what it's called. yeah. Okay. And Curson and uh, Major Man's wife Steph are sitting there looking at the map. We're on one side of the table. Yep, on one side. He's on the far end, so he can't really see the Andy map. Andy is. Thank yeah. you. So he comes walking around, and that, that there's an adventure in itself because like <laughs> there's drinks, there's all sorts of stuff, and the, the, that's another story for the another Andy. Time. Obstacle course. Yes. All right. And then he's over and, there, and Andy's actually started coming behind you. And he puts his belly on Kirsten's shoulder, puts something else on Steph's shoulder, (laughs) and it's like he's leaning over, and then Kirsten's like, you're looking a little too close, Uh, just get away from me. And then he did it this last weekend, and oh my god, it's creepy. I Um, did it to you, is what you're saying. Yes. That's that's the point you're missing.
1: You can talk about it all you want, but until you've experienced... The, the official full Andy auntie. Pillow, yeah,
2: five <laughs> yeah, D experience. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's important to be able. to... There's
4: little freaking lines that I keep trying to shoot through the, the walls. You can't shoot through. Okay, and I can't see them from the yeah, end of that's the table. Why he I got to move around and see where the walls are. Yeah, and you're excused. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah, it was funny. He just he goes around the other side, and I'm like, oh, good, they're gonna get it. <laughs> and Matt's like, oh, and Paulette is just like scrunching up her shoulders and it's just like <laughs> and it wasn't even like he was touching them it's just this looming presence <laughs> inches from it's, you it's anticipation there are many people who have enjoyed cringe. my touch
1: anticipation yeah, we, Andy we
0: should invite him to the mm. game no, <laughs> no no not gonna happen we finished our uh, we finished the latest campaign of Imperial Assault yeah. successful no no okay. we're not as we were rising up and and major meh was all ah, you guys are too we actually started a mission that he was like ready to just give us he's like i don't see how i can i don't see i can't i don't look we can skip this one and just go on to the next i don't see how i can and we're like just let us play it and he beat us
1: so if you lose in this case do you just go back and replay that mission, or no, you're no, done? No. You're dead. You, no. you,
0: no, no, no. You're n- you're never dead, but you may not. You don't get money to buy equipment. You don't get experience to buy to improve your skills. This was a forced mission, which meant we didn't get anything. But if we defeat it, he doesn't get the imperial player doesn't get an improvement to his.
1: Characters. Oh, wait a second. So the person running the game Plays the actually gains experience, points, and abilities Exactly. well. Yes. They mm-hmm. gain
0: experience. They gain what is called influence, which they can use to buy better and better abilities and skills. So your
1: characters are leveling up, but the things you're fighting are getting tougher, too. Yes. Wow. I, I, I didn't realize. That. I figured they just constructed the scenario, so the next one would be incrementally tougher, but not that it would be masterminded by... A award to the person running the game. The scenarios are randomly chosen. Oh.
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't know... I was thinking this more like a kind of a Descent kind of thing. Right, no, not quite. Not quite.
1: Huh. It's probably like this game. Because Descent, you have the the Game Master as such. It's D&D, but the Game Master is really reined in as to what he can do. Yeah. Yeah, all the rules are set for them and... The you always
0: buy trap, and then my characters are constantly falling on it, and the knock of armor
1: kills mm-hmm. them. But I'm not yeah. saying it's easy, but it's yeah.
4: but uh, you don't grow
1: as a game master in that game.
4: No, you definitely grow in this one. You get tougher and t- I mean, like the we played one where Darth Vader showed up at the end and and destroyed. It, but we him. actually yeah, I say that. How do you win that? We uh, he K, that we talked about this before, K1, K one. We we all died. K got off with like, the last turn he escaped yeah, the, very, the plans
0: the, it was it was it was wonderfully cinematic it was the last turn this is it we'll do it or win it and i had to get on an escape shuttle to blast away and i had enough movement points to get right on it literally down to 1 square 1 point of movement wow literally well, as, row 1 and we and we managed to block Vader just enough so he couldn't like stun me or do something to cause me to lose that movement
4: whereas this game although we were really powerful everybody leveled up and they were really tough we still lost the whole thing at the end of the thing we we ended oh my
0: god jabba uh, executes us and and our friends and family who jabba promised to help in exchange for our services he told us would be enslaved Jesus yeah, so that's how that ended wow <laughs>
1: <laughs> tough breaks in the Star Wars universe yep that that's was a rough, rough one. one you know it, it sounds to me that if you're a fan of video games like XCOM Imperial Salt is your game as far as board games go
2: Matt? yeah that, that is correct yeah okay. but um, I haven't played enough of XCOM they have turn limits in XCOM right?
1: Yes, and you have to usually do things within a certain amount of turns. Yeah, yeah, that's very. This one
2: is unrealistic, though. The imperial (laughs) side, like you have six turns to uh, get all the way over here, and uh, we have all this in the way, and this door has a blast door and has eighteen health. Have fun. I
1: I don't know. That
3: sounds
2: like XCOM two to me,
3: especially. So,
2: I mean, the last was it
4: the last one? Yeah, the last scenario, we just it, it just stuff. Yeah, it just kept adding on. You know, we here's this, and you've got to this one. Now this happens. Oh, Fuck, oh yeah. And now this whole other piece of board shows up. Now we go this. Okay, yeah. get to that, and now this whole other piece in of board shows two, up. In round
0: two, the mission progresses, which means that in round two, you start, you don't even know necessarily what you're doing, what your objective is. And it's like in round two, the mission progresses, and something happens, and you get an idea of what you need to do. More pieces of
4: map like kept coming out. Yeah. And they were mobile pieces of map too, so we had to keep chasing after
0: Oh that. yeah, and he got he got multiple moves. It really fucking sucked. He they were we were fighting over the Sar Sarlacc pit in Sand Skips. Oh yeah. wow,
1: yeah. So I, I'm assuming that this game, uh, the ex- it's sold in box expansions. He's, he's to do this for yep. hundreds of dollars instead of like sure. just oh, like yeah. modules. So. Yeah, yeah. He he, has, he comes he by with a with
4: a, a tool case uh, with a. Toolbox the size of, uh, you know, as if you're repairing all of the Chevys in Detroit. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Not not <laughs> a toolbox like a fisherman's tackle box. Okay. It's like a mini job box you would find on a site.
4: I'm surprised wow. it doesn't have wheels.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and and you know, typical major meh delivery. He's like, yeah, I finally had to just get this because there's so many pieces. So... That's my
1: phone. (laughs) You
0: grabbed your phone and just threw it. You just threw it. Alrighty then. (laughs) I'm absolved of the wire fraud. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Wire fraud.
1: Well, gentlemen, I, I I tried to finish it today, but our internet conspired against me to finish the last episode, so I'm one episode away from finishing Iron Fist. Oh! Okay. I'm nearly there. Wait a I was sec. hoping to have it all done. Wait wow. a sec. Right now. Right now. Yeah. You missed the fact that last week we talked about Luke Cage. Yeah. Yeah. You missed it. <laughs> you missed it. Son of a bitch!
3: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: So, yeah, you finish it.
3: The, the look on Matt's face was priceless. It was just like... It was like that whole... It's like, I was only gone one week. What the <laughs> fuck? You <laughs> did finish it, though. Luke Cage? L- yes. Yes. Okay,
2: good. I was about to give you hell for going on to Iron Fist. No. Because <laughs> Luke Cage is bad, Oh, that would Iron Fist, great. Fist worse.
4: Luke Cage is
3: not bad. The second half of Luke Cage is not as good wait, as the first half. Wait game. till you hear the second half
1: of what he's going to say, Matt. Yeah, okay. if, if you want to know my feelings about Luke Cage... What? Listen to the episode? Okay, I get it. Yeah, there you there go. There you go. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, Iron Fist i don't understand everyone's problem with it i really re- i really enjoy it
2: oh that's great
1: i'm 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 kind of flabbergasted <laughs> <laughs> that, wow. was, that was a mic drop and you can hear that <laughs> one Matt,
0: matt's night is just getting worse <laughs> and worse he just yeah just dropped the mic and went wow. to the trash can can't. yeah picking well, up his, i can't his hear his throat. Throat. what you're saying so you, you don't like have iron a,
4: fist i like iron fist. you don't have a problem with his wooden acting and an ability to look like he's actually fighting
1: No, fights uh, are crap. The only problem I really have with Iron Fist is some of the director's choices because it's just really weird. Because there's like two or three episodes where they decide to do a split screen for it, like during a fight or whatever, but just for like a fraction of a second, and then they don't do it again for like another couple episodes, and that's commit. If you're gonna if you're going to do that style, mm. you know, bring the split screen up on a regular basis, or just don't do it. But don't do it like three times in a series.
2: That makes no sense. Are you talking about the axe, the hatchet fighting scene? I think there, I that think was in one, one of them. them one, yeah, yeah. There,
1: there was a couple in that one.
2: But, that was yeah. You're right. That is. But clunky. I would forget
1: that it would even happen, and then it would come up again like a couple episodes later. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened a couple episodes ago. They did split screen, and 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 then then they do it once. Maybe twice in a fight and it's gone forever. So that I don't get, but I like the villains on on all sides of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corporate hand, I like them both, and I'm curious about the hand motivations in the splits within the groups. I'm curious to learn more about that. I, I know there's more hand action <laughs> in the defenders. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, if you if you enjoyed Iron
4: Fist and I and I, I love those characters, like I said. And I found it frustrating. Um, now,
1: you say you love the characters from the comics. Yes. But see, I have no, no knowledge going into yeah. them. So this is my first exposure to Iron Fist and Danny yeah. Rand.
2: Yeah. If you take the lead actor, which I forget who plays him.
1: Uh, Sir Lawrence. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a wooden plank. It's a wooden plank.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's a... It's a, it's a, it's a Construction It's cone. a two-by-four. Yeah, construction cone. Wow. I don't, <laughs> <think he's, laughs> I don't
1: think he's that bad. Oh, no.
2: Everyone else is good. Like, the old one, the, you know, the hand lady you saw her in Daredevil. All the bad guys are great. Um, What's her name? His um, counterpart there is good, too. Colleen Wing. Should have been uh, Iron Fist, but they should have went, like, a female Iron Fist or something. Ooh-hoo. But you take him,
1: put another actor, I don't know who, the show will be great. It's just him... I don't think he's that bad. I think he's more of along the lines of one of those cypher-type actors along the lines of, say, Keanu Reeves, when he's more of like that neutral face that you can put your own thing onto. Okay. Uh,
2: that, but he's supposed to be this great fighter, and the fight scenes with him in it, it's, which is most of them, are not very good uh, from his point at his side. Maybe his, it
1: speaks to my knowledge of martial arts, but the fight scenes didn't bother me all that much. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, but again, then again, I'm not exactly a kung fu aficionado. They look that, like they have no power behind them.
2: There's that, that too. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like you just like, oh. like, but he does have the iron fist, so maybe it's magical. Like, or it is magical. Well, it's fights it's well,
4: without the iron fist, so he doesn't look like he has enough power behind him.
3: Well, let me ask: is, is there a specific region where in the, of the world that the martial arts he's supposed to be using is from? Kunlun, yeah,
1: Kunlun, yeah. Uh, he uses kung place, fu, not karate,
3: the, because I mean I know with like a lot of like kung fu, they don't actually use strength. They use misdirection. They use your opponent's strength against them. So as opposed to them actually throwing punches, that, they're pushing the ball, person to the side and that, allowing them to defeat themselves. It's not a keto okay. <laughs> or whatever. No, that's not, I was no. just I'm just was curious because I know a little yeah. bit about martial arts, but I have not watched this yet, so. That I don't was, is, know. It's not a matter apply. of the martial arts style. It's a matter of bad stage
4: fighting. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay.
3: There you go. Okay. I,
1: I uh, do it's... think this could have been better under better direction.
3: Yes. That that I definitely agree. So you're with. saying
1: the choreography of the stage fighting mm-hmm. is bad. Not even just that, but how it's shot. There's a lot of stuff that happens in shadow, so mm-hmm. you're not able to see too I mean, we clearly catch what's going on probably the shadows are to hide the bad fighting it might be <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: maybe if i want to catch like watch it real closely and see if the choreographer is the same as daredevil and see if they're just trying to go a different way with yeah. it it'd be interesting if it is i don't think it is Because if it is what the hell happens
4: right. right but i'm glad you're enjoying it i'm glad you're, you're getting yeah. and and i like you, i
1: like the overarching storyline i love evil corporations
4: mm-hmm. I, all corporations and if you enjoyed Iron Fist, you are just going to cream over the uh, defenders.
0: I, I will mean, watch it in my be, underwear. Then. There'll yeah. be a lot of hand action. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lots
3: of hand action. <laughs> He'll have his sock at the ready. Yes,
2: <laughs> you need so- to dive into Jessica Jones, though. I know you you don't. It didn't grab your attention, uh, but that is one of the. It's there with Daredevil. It's one of the better ones.
3: I, I
1: think it's the it's it's the one I've enjoyed the most. Yeah. And also, it turns out uh, Netflix con- the only time they've released numbers on their show it is the most watched marvel show they've released so it seems to be the most popular
2: yeah it's it's up there it's
3: yeah i'm only to where uh she uh, he bought uh the, the purple man bought her house and has just moved in
1: okay and maybe I have to do it to. and i will definitely say this that i like iron fist a lot more than the second half of luke cage okay that's that's a definite i don't know if i like it more than the first half but definitely more than the second. No, you couldn't possibly. Yeah. First half is First half genius. is great. Yeah. so
2: It really did fall off a cliff after Cottonmouth.
1: And then I'm really excited for Punisher, so there. Mm, well, yeah. What else you do, guys?
4: Uh... It's it's been a yeah I've been busy this week I haven't had a chance to geek I feel very left out
2: fair the enough busiest, I will throw another one in you know, he'll, good- he'll remember unemployed Don't man me. I know he'll remember he'll be like oh wait uh, I remember. but during like another bit yeah yeah so he'll be like <laughs> <Yeah>. so get <laughs> talking like and go. I'm a struggle next week I got your, nothing. oh I almost did this <laughs> <laughs> That's about, I've got nothing
4: I watch <laughs> a little more uh, Twin Peaks which you didn't hear about last week either so yeah I finished the
1: series and your your thoughts now that it's all done I've got, I've seen seen so much praise. For especially how that second series ended, and I'm I'm looking to you to confirm or deny, Jeff. I
3: still don't know what the fuck happened. That whole season was just a matter of I really don't understand what's going on. Just don't. It's you know.
1: Yep. Okay. I'm, that's that's all it for me. You know.
3: It's Lynch trying to develop this universe, and only Lynch really knows what's going on. Like only he, he has an idea <laughs> of what is actually taking place. And his use of bizarre imagery and everything notwithstanding, it does not always lend itself to a good, strong through narrative. So I think that- I will say this return the you know, the return as they call it. It wasn't even necessary. I mean, it's like it didn't answer any questions that I felt were left over from the, the original series
1: I think, or firewalk With Me. I think that David Lynch films in general, except for maybe a couple of them. That's right. Thunder people. Getting I used to it. wasn't sure if that was. Yeah. <laughs> da- David Lynch films in general are, are, falling. are best enjoyed by people who enjoy puzzles with no solutions. Hmm. Who, so who the hell is that? Who, people, <laughs> Tor- who, <Torgo. laughs> people who want to dig into and and try to figure something out based on what's not being said. It's phil- like waste of time. Philosophy I mean. of movies, students. That kind of mentality. Mm. That you can pick it apart and try to figure out what's missing in the gaps. Well, it's... I mean, I, mean, I told you, but I'm watching
4: the original series for the first time. Yes. Yeah. And I'm actually enjoying the stuff. I was saying it dropped off after you found out who killed Warwick and Palmer. But actually, now that I've gotten into it, I'm, I'm enjoying it because I have no idea what's going on. Bob. I, I don't have any... Uh, shh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would have no idea where it's going. So it's, it's fun. It's, it's weird Lynch stuff without knowing where it's going at this moment. So. That's
1: okay. Lynch didn't know either. So yeah. you're on the same boat. <laughs> and I don't know if it ends either. Don't tell me. <clears throat> It doesn't because there's another series after that. Yeah, right? Just ask Jeff. He says it's great. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I I remember something geeky I did. Hmm. I
0: went and saw Close Encounters. Ah. In the theater? Oh, Oh,
1: I'm jealous.
0: Yeah, that was actually actually, uh, interesting. Um, I hadn't seen it in the theater since I was a kid. My mom took me. I never saw it in the theater. Yeah, it was one of my mom's favorite movies. So I got a whole bunch of memories there.
3: Beautiful. See, I watch um, it all the time on you know TV yeah. or Blu-ray, but and I would it, say it, every other week for that. Guy.
0: It was it was interesting <laughs> to watch on the big screen. Um, there were certain elements of the 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 picture that um, really only show up in in the um, in the big screen version, and you really get uh, you get a taste. Realizing that this is um, this is uh, uh, Spielberg's uh, what is it by now his third film because Sugarland was the first film not including the TV yeah but do
4: film called do yeah right yeah.
0: okay so this I is think,
3: yeah, yeah I think his yeah third.
0: this is his third movie and you you really now begin to see what will become the iconic spielberg which in many ways becomes the iconic 80s style of, right of lighting a movie of how you do the camera work and stuff like that and it's really funny uh, just watching there are a couple shots when richard dreyfus has the realization when he's pulling apart his sculpture because he's mm-hmm. like it's all done no worry just taking it away and then he makes the one pull and he and he like freezes because it was the last Peace that he needed. And I was looking at the the shot of of that realization and just realizing you never see it that way on video. It just doesn't look that way. Mm. And plus it's also an incredibly 70s movie. Right. Because it's like I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Nowadays, you could never ever do a movie where key protagonists are being psychically spoken to and not explain, even if it's phony baloney babble. How that's happening. Yeah. Mm. Cause as I'm watching the end scene, I'm like they never ever explain how they got the message to go to Devil's Tower. They never ever explain that at all. You don't even get a single sentence. Yes, the we realize that there are M rays being sprayed across the globe and <laughs> right? that was what was that we theorized that's what's causing you get nothing.
4: Spoiler, it's Medicoreans.
0: <laughs> so so it's just like wow, that pillow. It's <laughs> yeah. it's not even soft. It's no. like hard, like it, you know, and, and maybe just, a little spiky. Yeah, um, <laughs> God, <laughs> <laughs> it's all the rocks inside it. <laughs> but um, I was just yeah, I was, and sure enough, there are a few people, younger
1: people. Who would put up,
0: I saw close encounters in the, the- I couldn't handle it. It's just no
1: back about two thousand and one, my then space girl, odyssey? My, my then girlfriend uh watched it with me, and her reaction afterwards was that was really boring. What? That's that sparked a hell of a fight. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that probably the biggest fight we had was oh. after that moment. Oh. <laughs>
3: I mean, we're all entitled to, own, you know, like and dislike our own things. But Movies, wow, sure. that one is...
1: Sure, but certain, certain events warrant. allow you to pass judgments on, on others it's as very to whether they are a good compatible. <laughs> I was going to say,
3: that, that would be a good example of compatibility, absolutely. I mean, it's very cerebral. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you do have to be actively engaged in the film. It's not a, you know shut your brain off and just watch the pretty lights like some and movie. It's it, a slower Yeah, pace. I say it builds slowly. And movies of yeah. that era built built more slowly. Yeah. I
0: remember when we were watching way back years ago, Andy, I got the, the DVDs to Land of the Lost, mm. and we were watching one episode, and you, right about halfway through it, you were like, my God, that you just couldn't do this on TV today. They take too much time, and it's way too slow. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: Mm. Mm. Uh, so did you uh, did you see R two D two?
0: Well, I know about that.
4: Okay. okay, so but were you looking for it? Did you catch it mm-hmm. when I went on over on the
0: big on the big thing? Yeah, um, he's on the side of the ship, right? Or? Hanging
4: upside yeah. down. Yeah, oh, yeah okay.
3: on the on the the big mothership. Yeah, so. you guys jinxed me that day by inviting me because I actually got called into work early. Oh, wow. That's I was right. Like, I was sitting there going, I'm like. Oh hey, I'm most likely gonna get called off today. I'll I'll go join him and then I get I get the, the, the phone call from my boss and I'm like, Yes, here it is. I get to go see Close Encounters on the big screen for the first time and oh he wants me to come in early. <laughs> it
0: wasn't a single day though, it was all always- I know,
3: but I mean it just it would have been nice to go see it with you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was that it was whole fun. shared experience thing 'cause it
0: was fun. Um Uh I uh Gave Rob, was uh, Eric Andy Randall almost. showed up. Oh, I yeah, gave yeah, him yeah. a little shake because there's an uncredited one line appearance from Captain Dale Dye. Right. And Eric yeah. was one of the people who was uh, with the original me. You know, uh, those of us of the original crew of Star Trek: The Experience who got the uh, the workouts from Dale Dye for two two days of Hollywood military training which
3: I always thought was was amusing you know know, listening to you and April talk about Dale Dye and and how he was going through the you know trying to get you guys to style up like you know more of a military appearance and I'm sitting there going I'm like that's not how Starfleet is on on next generation going forward in fact they emphatically say repeatedly they're not a military organization although they they are
0: (laughs) but but Paramount agrees with you, Jeff, because yeah. when they when they came through for our first uh, show demonstrations, the executive's response was too military. Uh-huh. Wow! And we had to soften it up.
3: Yeah, I mean, o- even even in the original series, it, there was only a few times where somebody would snap to when Kirk was dressing them down in front of the rest of the security or right. whatever. You know, it just it's. I came across this phrase twice this week. I'd never heard it before, and
4: first time was in reference to Star Trek. Okay. Competency porn. Yeah. I love that phrase.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. That's the, exactly what Star Trek does, is. It's competency porn. Kind of does describe porn. it.
1: it does, so competency porn would be what? Just so people doing the... It's a yeah. show
0: about people doing what they're best at very well.
1: I think it was in reference to The Martian was the first time I saw it. Oh, okay. On on this Shock Monkeys layer, put it out there.
4: I think yeah, I, I saw it on a, a post from DragonCon where I saw okay. it, it.
1: Actually,
3: in
4: direct, directly in reference to Star Trek.
1: <clears throat> yep.
4: So. It's a military
3: organization. Some cool <laughs> cosplay <laughs> coming out of Dragon Con. I was Let's, oh yeah, is on uh, a lot of uh, Vegas cosplay. A bunch too. of different uh, picture sites that were showing up pictures of people in cosplay. Mm-hmm. That was pretty awesome. I got to give those people a lot of credit because mm-hmm. you know I. It's sad sometimes I'll hear people say it's like. Oh, that person shouldn't be dressed up as that person, and isn't that character, you know, like really s- extremely physically fit? And I'm like, you know what? They're out there doing something they love. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, in many cases exposing their flaws for a, in in an outfit that is mm-hmm. fairly skimpy. Just let them do it. Let them have fun. Let them enjoy yeah, it. it. A, yeah,
0: co- comic book, comic book superhero in particular costumes are not designed. To hide your
3: flaws. No, and, they're not. And, and fandom has enough
1: room for a million fat Batman. Yep.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> and I love, love, love the really obscure costumes. Mm-hmm. Like like when you see them and you're like, oh shit, that was in that one episode or that, <laughs> that one background character in the movie. Uh, in fact, uh, during the con, uh, I don't know if you got to see this, Kay, but uh, there was a guy dressed up as... Picard from *Love Boat*, the *Next Generation*, the SNL skit. Wow. So I've got a picture wow, of that, and terrific. it was like I—I I turned around, I saw it, I was like, "That's awesome!" I have to have a picture. <laughs> and he's like, "Please go yeah. ahead." <clears throat>
0: Probably the best that the best kind of reference cosplay like that ever is from our very own April a. Bear. Yes, oh, yeah. one year went as Lucy. Yes.
4: yes. <laughs> so you mentioned SNL. Uh-huh. When he was talking about uh, *Close Encounters*. I was immediately going to the Bill Murray. Uh, lounge Lizard character, where he did the um, Close Encounters theme. That's right. the Lounge <laughs> song. I never... Or, For, re- Star Wars. I, no, no. I I heard was, yeah, Wars. That was Star Wars. I know. Close. I was just saying, First or, I said
3: Encounters, <laughs> love. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, Mr. Murray.
1: What I like about DragonCon versus Comic-Con, there's not a lot of news announcements this week. Yeah. And mm. that is the big difference between the two. Comic-Con seems to be the place where all the big names are announcing all their shit. Mm-hmm. Dragon-Con seems to be the place where everyone just digs deep in their own fandom and meets others in their own I fandom. I
4: really want to get to Dragon-Con because, first of all, the cosplay that's always great. Second of all, for some reason, they have a skeptics track, which is
3: bizarre. Where was it this year? This year? It's always in Atlanta. It's, it's always oh, Atlanta. in, yeah. Okay. yeah. Before we get off Close Encounters, does anybody remember that disco version of Close Encounters? Yes, <laughs> Same guy that did the Ewoks rapping. Yes. Yes. Uh, every time I hear that, like, occasionally it'll pop in on, like, uh, like my 70s, on the satellite uh, radio they have the jukebox of cheese yeah, yeah. where it pops on and they'll play somebody will request something really obscure from the 70s and that came on and I was just cracking up because I had not heard it since I was a kid mm-hmm. and it's just so goddamn ridiculous it was a you KB, can't help but like
1: it it was a kbs toy store uh-huh i was pretty young i'm going to say i was probably 8 and there was a record called Spaced Out Disco mm. All right, Spaced Out Disco and there underneath Star Wars I didn't care about the whole disco thing but mm-hmm. here's a record Star Wars that had this really creepy but I didn't realize at the time was the Close Encounters of a Third Kind poster but kind of a really there's something out there look in my eyes so I'm like oh it's Star Wars and I like the Star Wars theme and I can't wait <laughs> so mom this is what I want from KB Toy why, why, why. did I get it yes so, I brought it home. Now, our record player, and again, this was record for talking right you know, this problem. this might be seventy nine or eighty right when this happened. The record player was in its own separate room on the other side of the house in a converted what was a converted garage. Mm-hmm. So the room was cold. It was kind of dark. Mm-hmm. And I put that album on at this point in my life, I'd never seen close encounters of the third kind, okay. And it's that track that led off the spaced out disco album. I heard that song and f- was freaked the fuck out. Even though it was the disco version. Just the, the just the, those those tones and that did just somehow just
3: in that dark
1: room I knew I wasn't alone mm. <laughs> and I ran out of that room went to the, where my parents were watching whatever the hell they were watching I don't know pro- probably not Dallas by that time but something Jefferson's and I just sat in that room and watched whatever they were watching mm-hmm. because I could not finish listening to that song it's a
4: creepy song now that you think now it comes down well, to it yeah. well
0: it, it fits perfectly then at the view, the viewing they showed a little interview with uh, Steven Spielberg and a few other people. It's a special feature that'll be on the mm-hmm. Blu-ray edition that's getting released this week. Another What course. a coincidence. I yeah. Um, I think they're finding that the putting those remastered movies on the big screen for a few days or a week in timed with the release. Good commercial. Everything <laughs> boosts everything else.
3: Yeah. Sure. Um, because I have like the three-disc, which was... Ten yeah. years ago, like the quote ultimate version yeah, exactly. of the yeah, I got that film I be released. released Never again. Better yeah. get it now. Yeah. No, it like <laughs> it's like ultimate version approved by Steven Spielberg. I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. But um,
0: he was talking about how he didn't film it as a science fiction movie. He filmed it as a movie, and uh, he talked about the, the what he felt would the the differences would be. And while I'm watching it, especially the scene where the aliens come to Barry's house. And when they actually take him, I realized scared the
1: Christ out of me when I finally did watch it. This mm-hmm. the
0: the the first half of this movie is actually a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, and it's it's just you know a very slow moving pre splatter punk horror movie. When but yeah,
1: when a mechanical monkey splashes its oh it together on it, by itself, you are watching a scary movie. Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: that made me shit. <laughs> what <laughs> is it about mechanical monkeys just It's that face. You mean that one one up there? Yeah, Yeah. up there,
2: Todd. That's
4: that's the reason I owned it, because it scared me so
1: much when I was a kid, so it's up on the shelf, absolutely.
4: Yeah, there it is. Way up on the shelf where it can't get you. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. And after reading Stephen King's story, The Monkey, that sucker better stay quiet.
3: (laughs) I was trying trying to find a picture of uh, the sci-fi disco album I had, because your story reminded me so much of when my mom got it. A garage sale for me that had it had the Close Encounters theme disco version. It had the Star Wars disco theme version, uh, and it had like a couple other sci-fi Star Trek. St- yeah, uh, I don't remember if Star Trek was on it to to be honest with you, because it's so long ago. Probably wasn't. But I the the two that I vividly remember were the Star Wars and the Close Encounters theme being on there. But I mean, there were like ten tracks yeah. on the album. Yes, so. Yes.
1: Because that was the thing. Yes, it had that. It had Star Trek, the original theme, a disco version of that. But then it went really weird because it had short people on there. (laughs) Short people? It it had... Short uh, people, got. Yeah.
3: No reason, God.
1: It It had Name of the Game by ABBA on there. Oh, wow. It was was a weird album. I had Star
0: Wars and other galactic films. That one. I remember Uh, that one. Yeah, Yeah,
3: that's not the one I had. The one that I had, it... uh, hopefully maybe one of the listeners out there can help me find it it looked like the enterprise on the cover it was clearly a spaceship but it was like it was flipped upside down so that like the the secondary hull was the top of the ship and then the okay. the saucer was the bottom of the ship and it was all like bizarred out and that's all i can really remember of the album and i, I you know i've been searching for it and i'm not finding it here mm. it, it um, that
0: is, i love i love the cantina the disco can't be. Yes, that
3: one was in there. Well, I mean, it was part of the whole Star, yeah. mm-hmm. star Wars. Because it was like, it was. It had to be like five or six minutes long, that particular track. Mm-hmm. Because they, they did, you know, it wasn't just like the main theme. They had the Vader's theme. And then all of that blended together as yeah. one song. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. It was
1: great. Yeah, you're right. The, that was the Star Wars. It was all together.
3: Mm-hmm. If, this, if, that, if the Enterprise was on the cover, or the fake Enterprise, it probably did have Star Trek. I'm probably wrong on that. So I, don't, I don't, but see, I don't
1: remember it being, uh, they're, I, I, they're, or I don't remember there being a... I brought up the album cover, so I'm going to tell you, uh, with it, it's Spaced Out Disco Fever was the name of the album, mm-hmm. and at the bottom it says, featuring the wonderful disco orchestra. The, so so F of course close encounters star wars and star trek are the first three named the fourth album in just as large of letters as those is i can't smile without you <laughs> <laughs> it also has "Stayin' alive short people we are the champions name of the game emotion and jack and jill i don't wow. even remember jack and jill but uh but yeah, that wow. was the album this, that I So got. this
0: guy was like a 70s, kind of a 70s Weird Al.
1: It, it, but that's just it. It wasn't... Weird Out was 70s Weird Al. They only did those three songs, the disco things, the Star Wars, the Star Trek, it, and Close Encounters. Everything else was the original artist. Oh, it's the original. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Not really, so
4: weird. It probably wasn't the original artist.
1: It was probably the original artist in quotes. No, it was the original artist because I played this, as years went on, I played this album a lot. Mm-hmm. And so those songs become ingrained, and then when you hear the originals, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's that. That's the original." Wow. I'm so. pretty
3: sure mine was a uh, a cover of it. Like they just like had some random orchestra covering them. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. There's a lot
4: of oh. the hundred the hundred strings or whatever like those Dude,
1: I had this James Bond themes album. I know exactly oh, wow.
3: which one you're talking about too. That
1: was all re-recorded, and everything just sounds wrong. Yep. Every little bit of it. That's not Shirley Bassey. Mm. That's not Wings. You know. <laughs> God damn it. Jack and Jill oh, was a God. 1970 damn.
4: hit song by the group called Radio with R-A-Y-D-I-O. Oh, I know Radio. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, I don't know uh, the song.
1: Yeah. I, they, their biggest One of their biggest hits was You Can't Change That. You're the only one I know. Yeah, okay. And you can't change that. Yep. That was Radio. Yeah. Yeah. The producer was Ray Parker Jr. Damn right. Damn right. Yeah. Gentlemen, yeah, what else we do guy. this week? Yeah, what? <laughs> I'm just you know, Ray Parker Jr. I'll throw one other thing I did this week. Oh. I, f- I finally watched Get Out. Ah, G- Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe because it was lifted up so high, Uh-oh. I wasn't as impressed oh. as I thought I would be. It's still re- still really good. Don't get me wrong. That's what I was afraid of too. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. It was really good, but the the twists uh, wasn't that surprising. What a twist! And that's that's the thing is like everyone go in without knowledge, and I went in without any knowledge. I did everything I could to not even see a review. I did the only thing I ever saw was a poster for that, and and watching it in the and the twist is good, but it's not surprising. And it is a fun, don't get me wrong, it's a fun movie, and I probably will buy it for my collection. It is good,
4: okay,
1: but I. I can't be one of those that says that is one of the most amazing horror movies I've seen in a long time maybe not so much but it's still really good Peel knows what he's doing he's good alright let's do some news you don't give a shit about yay yay every week you same time her. Andy not the same time okay sometimes it happens like 20 minutes from now usually it happens 10 minutes but the point the important thing
0: is Andy's suffering
2: mm-hmm. You know what, you're right Let's have just a
3: news you don't give a shit about One episode, whole episode oh, little, Some, some weeks that can be arranged The horror, the horror A little yeah. suffering is good for the soul, I hear
1: News you don't give a shit about This is actually kind of big news Let's have a robust soul at this point <laughs> Star Wars Episode Nine, it's going to need a new director Lucasfilm announced that Colin Trevorrow Has officially exited the project Here's the studio's full statement Lucasfilm and Colin Trevorrow have mutually chosen to part ways on Star Star Trek: Episode Nine, Star Trek: Star Wars (laughs) Episode Nine. Uh, Colin has (laughs) mind blown. Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process, but we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ. We wish Colin the best, and we'll be sharing more information about the Mm. film soon. Unquote. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the exit came as script issues continued to be a sore spot during the film's pre-production as Trevorrow failed to find a spark after multiple drafts. Combine that with his working relationship with Lucasfilm head Kathleen Kennedy becoming, quote, unmanageable, and it's another exit. Is this happening more often, or are we just more aware of it? Uh, With them, it kind of is. New writer Jack Thorne... (laughs) Uh, was hired to take a crack at the project in August. Trevorrow's exit is the latest in a relatively long line of directorial issues on the new run of Star Wars films. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were replaced by Ron Howard for the Han Solo prequel. Josh Trank left a different spinoff, uh, reportedly a Boba Fett film, while the film was still in early stages of development. And beyond that, there was also a bit of trouble behind the scenes of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, with director Gareth Edwards allegedly losing a bit of control in the production to Lucasfilm during reshoots. So yes, there has been some directorial trouble. It looks like
0: Disney-Lucasfilm has found what they feel is their successful formula for new Star Wars. And they're they're being rather strong in making
1: making it kind of omnipresent. What's kind of interesting to me is this is almost mirrors the original Star Wars trilogy with Lucasfilm, like Lucas, mm-hmm. you know, did that first one kind of on his own, and so on. The second one. It, What many consider the best Star Wars film, Mm -hmm. he was the most hands off on. He hired another director, another writer, everything, and he was like kind of managing the ranch and trying to get uh, all his other Lucasfilm projects up and running. And he was he kept hearing notes about how shooting was going longer. All his money was on the line, but but it was costing more, and and the director was doing things he didn't want them to do, but the producer was insisting to let the director do what he wanted to do. And that's why we never got that same director on the third one. And why the third one is more under the reins of Lucas, because mm-hmm. he didn't want to repeat of his experience of empire strikes back. Right. So I think that's what we're seeing here is that you're seeing Disney at first giving some, some license early and then are like no 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 right no 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 this is our vision we need directors that are doing our vision we don't want the right. director's vision we want our vision so now Disney is the new Lucas right
3: so it's yeah they're trying to break from the whole auteur which th- theme or uh, style as opposed and then they
1: have a story group that is doing the yeah. grand story and I understand not wanting the the left veering directors in that regard. However, in the and so- the side stories, in the the solo stories, in the the smaller non numbered episodes, if you will, I think that's areas where you should let the directors go a little bit. And so that's why I'm kind of saddened with the whole Han Solo thing and bringing Howard in over the other yeah. two. Yeah. But, and I understand, I'm understand that as like, okay, listen, the, we have the stories blocked out. This is how we want them to sound, look, and feel all the way to episode 22. I get that. But the side stories let the directors do their thing. So we give it to you. It just makes us sad. It's, it's, I, again, you, news you don't give a shit about is stuff that's. Both we don't really care about, and stuff that gives us pause and a little bit of worry. Right. That's why DC finds itself in here a lot. It's the glappy. <laughs> it's the glappy stuff. Yeah, some of it's the glappy stuff. Absolutely. Mm. Although you know what? Let me throw this question out there. Um, if you could have a director, any director, you you are the sole decider, red light, green light, and you are the only executive. Who would you like to hire to film a Star Wars movie? Mick G.
0: Get the well. There, this was always talked about and never happened. I would just love for Spielberg
3: to do one. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say that too, but I'd actually kind of be interested to see somebody like Steven Soderbergh do a a Star Wars film. Catherine Bigelow. Ah,
0: Quentin Tarantino's. God damn it! God damn (laughs) yes! All those Ewoks running around going fucking.
3: (laughs) <laughs> David Lynch. <laughs>
1: you know what? That was actually going to be my answer. I know. I would oh. love to see David Lynch
4: let loose on the Star Wars universe. Is that still out there on YouTube? Is Jared's film still out there? Somewhere out I there. think it's out we there. We've got to wait to that. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah, David Lynch's Revenge of the Jedi, if yeah. you can find it. Uh, Jared Formby, one of our Trek alums, did this little short movie. And it's it's very Lynchian, Yep. and it's, it's, it's very good. It's, it's fun. Because,
1: in case you're not aware, Lynch was at one point in talks to direct a Star Wars film, and then he turned it down and made Dune instead. Right. So mm-hmm. so that, that could have happened. Oh, Dune Wars. That just would Dune have been... Dune Wars.
0: I'll take it. You know, well, considering how much of Star Wars comes from Dune... Fine you know,
1: point. ...really suits... Star Wars just kind of stole from everything. It's oh, yeah, so an yeah, amalgamation he, of, of wonderful things all thrown together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's the English the, language of, uh, of uh, films. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, a reboot of The Crow. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is that this has made this category eight times, at least. Many times in the last few years. This has been forever in development. It refuses to die. If you don't know the crow, uh, Alex Proyas's '90s goth classic, starring Brandon Lee, and based on the indie comic by James O'Barr, uh, it's been in the works for nearly a decade at this point. Uh, host of directors: uh, Stephen Norrington, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, and more. A host of stars: Bradley Cooper was attached, uh, John Huston, and more. Uh, have, but the film slipped into the darkest pits of development hell uh, when the studio Relativity folded. According to The Hollywood Reporter, (laughs) Sony Pictures has signed on to the long-gestating project as a distributor, giving the film new heft as it continues its fight to the big screen. Last year, after a legal battle in which producer Edward R. Pressman fought to take away any creative control from Relativity, the film landed new producers... Last fall, it was announced that Samuel Hadidah's Davis Films, Highland Film Group, and Electric Shadow would finance, produce, and distribute the film. Now, Sony's come aboard as distributor, while all of those companies are still attached, along with Kevin Mishner and Mishner Films. My. I...
4: This really falls into the news you don't give a shit category so much that I actually spaced out and have no. Now, idea Of course, what I said.
2: Of course, I'm <laughs> sure dude, you're not the only one out there, dude. Yeah. I would love to be in on those meetings. All right, where's the direction we want to go with this movie? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? You're fired. Oh, he's got the most money. Okay, so we'll listen to him. Fuck Sony's here. <laughs> what do you? Think? You got four different companies
1: before Sony's even involved in yeah, this project. Exactly. I hear Colin Trevorrow's free. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, Sony's aboard. So now it's the better chance of it being made. But you know, good luck. As far as the creative team goes, Hollywood Reporter reports that Jason Moama, no, Moama and uh, Corin Hardy are still likely to stay on. As far as star and director, respectively, Pressman has promised for a long time that the film titled "The Crow Reborn" will be a more faithful adaptation of Obar's work rather than the gothic fantasy pre- uh, presented in the '90s. Uh, apparently that's still the plan. The Crow was kind of, the comic was kind of gothic fantasy. It, it kind of, that's, I've always been, I've always been confused by this aspect of this story. Yeah. Because, yes, James O'Barr's The Crow is a, even the look is almost in the comic. Yeah, it's a goth. Is proto-goth. He's very much a goth, yeah. So, I've, and to be fair, I don't remember ever reading the original O'Barr, so I can't say if one to the other. Who directed I, the one of the I 90s? Did. West Craven? Uh no, uh, Proyas is the name. I was I thinking West Craven. Huh. I don't know, because that is not a West Craven style joint. West Craven Star Wars. Ooh. How about this? Rob Zombie Star Wars. Oh, I was thinking yeah. that. God. Yeah. With oh, a Z. Yeah. yeah, that could be some fun stuff. <laughs> Star Wars? No, Star, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, I, with I, a Z? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, even when you're pillowing a joke, Andy will pillow the pillow.
3: That's right. <laughs> let me let me ask. i got we, superior pillow. Before we leave the crow here, okay? Does anybody really consider that a classic? Like, should not be touched again no. because I it's a, it's a, I it's, like the film. It's a cult just classic, fine. I think, but I don't think it's the end all be all version of that film. The film was given more gravitas because yes. of the death. It, yes, I, I I feel the same on that because. I saw the film. I've enjoyed the film. I don't think it's one of the best films I've ever seen.
1: It's not something I go out of my way to rewatch. If you were at all attached to the goth movement in the '90s, this movie was a bible. So yeah, it was that. the soundtrack, everything about it. Uh, I had a goth girlfriend at the time. Oh,
4: we recall. We recall the story of the fair.
1: Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's that time. Yeah. The uh, so this movie was watched over and over many many times. Mm-hmm. This and uh, the Craft were the two goth movies. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because that was what right after we graduated high school and were in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of people watching that film at that time. I watched Craft yeah. for something totally different, not goth.
1: Ned <laughs> Campbell. <laughs> it can't rain all the time. Weekend geek. Yay! No, <laughs> you're right. I've almost choked on a cupcake. <laughs> your, your girlfriend's
2: trying to kill me. All right. Don't inhale
4: the pumpkin spice.
1: Oh. <laughs> Stargate, oh yeah, is returning for Wait, a wrong category. <laughs> you son of a oh. bitch. <laughs>
2: all right, uh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> have you actually watched Target all the way through? Y'all got to make
1: my hernia poke out again? <laughs> oh God! You know this old have argument. <laughs> no, Put that no goddamn thing you? away.
3: No, you should before you say anything. I don't think you've you've never watched it,
0: have you? I've Kirsten? watched bits and pieces. <laughs> oh, okay. Andy made me watch the uh, the the Groundhog Day the one. the Groundhog Day episode. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Great
3: episode. That, that one is really goddamn
1: funny. Yep. I will say, I really couldn't get into SG-1. SG-1 just really... I, I gave it a couple shots. It never spoke to me. Well, you never made it out of season two, though. That's a good point. And that's a fine point. Season
3: two, I think, was still on Showtime and it was season three that it switched over to... Got a to budget. You'll correct me if I'm wrong here.
4: The um, military, the, the general from uh, Stargate SG-1. They're
0: not yes. really military. No.
4: Don S. Davis? True they are. <laughs> General um, General Hammond? Yes. Is he is he the same guy that's in Twin Peaks as uh, he is? Major, yes. He's okay,
3: General. Uh, yeah, uh, because I know that um, Bobby Briggs' dad, General Harlan right. Briggs. There's there's another actor like similar shit. to him that was in um, <laughs> MacGyver. No, uh, uh, he was uh, he was that guy's st- who Dana Elkar's stunt double in MacGyver. Right, so. That was, that, that's your MacGyver connection right. No, no I, knew, I knew
4: there was a similar I knew that he went
3: from one guy When he yes. went from MacGyver to Stargate so it, Richard There were two Dean guys that were similar But not the same guy Richard Dean Anderson was one of the reasons That he got that gig gotcha. on SG-1 Is because he knew him He knew he was a better actor Than just a quote-unquote stunt double And uh,
1: there you go mm-hmm. To the other side of my statement of SG-1 I loved Atlantis Stargate Atlantis I thought was fantastic.
3: I I think Atlantis benefits from the fact that they rolled that universe from where they wanted to finally get... They they had finally got SG-1's universe developed to the point where they're like, okay, this is it. Anything we do going forward, this is where we start from. And Atlantis had that benefit. Same thing with Stargate Universe... Because um, it felt like a fully built
1: cohesive yeah, universe.
3: Yeah, and and quite frankly, season one and seat two, season two of SG one, uh, even part of season three is still universe building. You're still introducing characters that appear throughout all the different series. You're still introducing, you know, villains, and you're introducing allies, and you're introducing you know questionable species that we don't know are they a friend are they foe Et cetera. you don't know que-
1: questionable species
3: species that like i said that you, you don't know where they stand in the grand scheme of things and you know so if, yeah i find you, that pretty hot
1: yeah
2: okay.
0: suddenly i'm interested <laughs> Which why didn't you use? say that matt so what
3: season <laughs> one and two are important because you see the actual characters that you're focused on throughout the series develop and become the people that they are by the end of the series. My one criticism about SG-1, uh-huh. some of the military tactics... Laughable. Yeah, mm, well, that's, laughable. that's
0: because they're not really
3: military. Well, and, <laughs> and what's interesting is they worked very closely with the Air Force to make sure that the things that they were doing were accurate, and that's part of the problem is because in, in most... Of the, my, my military friends, people that have been in the service are like, you would never send Air Force people yeah. as a tactical team through into this. It, you would always send some Marine Force first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, and, it's and weird that the Air Force is sending, you know, some kind of a tactical team through that and they the don't really have and the
2: submachine guns they use yeah. are little MP5s at the start yeah. that do nothing. Right. So, yeah, and you yeah. want the
3: Kung Fu to look authentic
0: yeah but mm. but they got the really cool futuristic whatever the fuck those are called zat that
2: or whatever they're <laughs> called the that that gun. yeah is yeah. that gun <laughs> but that wasn't human tech that was but that that's an actual
0: submachine gun you know that right that the the base of that gun
2: is an actual i think uh i think it's I think th- we're talking about a different gun because um oh, he's talking geez. about you are talking about the ray guns.
3: Well, because they go from yeah, I think it's the MP5s and to like the p to the P90s. the P90s, the NATO gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. which they said, which apparently the Air Force said, would make more sense if you are going when they become that multinational. Yeah, the Stargate Command becomes multinational. This is a gun that any force it, it, could it, be able to use. It's
1: hard to be afraid of a weapon called a Zat Zat.
3: Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, there's Apophis over there. He's yeah. all cocky.
2: Well, I got a I got a sniper team with the Barrett on the mountaintop over there. Mm-hmm. He's done, and I got a zat zat.
1: Mm. So anyway, Stargate yes is returning for a ten episode series. Oh, there's a story about Stargate. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. Yes. Called Stargate Origins. Yep. It will be a streaming video on demand show. Son of a. Yep. Price to stream currently unknown. In addition, MGM announced Stargate Command, the site where fans can go view origins as well as access new content. Uh, Deadline says that Stargate Command will be a fan experience. You can find more information at stargatecommand.co. Uh, the new show focuses on Katherine Langford, the daughter of Professor Langford, who discovered the Stargate in Giza. She appeared in five episodes and was instrumental in creating the Stargate project. Quote, we saw a need for a definitive hub for the Stargate fan base to continue to enjoy news and content both old and new, said Chris Ottinger, president of Worldwide Dist- Television Distribution and Acquisitions, MB- MGM. <laughs> this is the older woman that's in the first few episodes? Yes.
3: Uh, it's also, if you watch the the movie, she's the one that brings Daniel Jackson in. Yeah. So... Catherine yeah. Lafferty. This is going back in the past. We're going to see where they find yes. the Stargate. Okay. This is them. Interesting. It's, it's yeah, you see it in the beginning of. Actually, you, you see it a couple of times in the series, too, where they go back to Egypt and you mm. you see where they're uncovering the, the headstones and so I'm cool.
0: talking about the, the FNP 90, by the way, submachine gun. Uh, just so. Or oh, back
3: on guns, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. just well, that's uh, good. to clear that. Is no. that good? Is that good. Good. all right? Is that okay? Is that good? It's not as good as the sad, good.
2: that. I'll like well, that. This is the Zat gun. We're t- I was talking about the pistol. It's, okay, so that's a, a ray Gould, gun thing. A Gould technology, yeah. 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 From the Grow yeah. What's yeah. the stupid
4: yeah. gun that we hated in. Uh, um, Elliot uh, Gould gun. The zombie game in, uh, in uh, Black Ops. The one that's basically a BB gun. Probably an MP5. No, Probably a Zat-Zat. I'll look it up. You guys keep going. I'm gonna. Yeah. Well, I have It's a the one that we, we would just never take because it couldn't kill a zombie. It took, even with the insta-kill, it took two shots to kill the zombie?
1: Uh, two shots is not insta kill. I know. Twenty <laughs> two. It's it's less than a twenty two. It's it's that's when right. you want to challenge. That's the gun you take. Mm-hmm. It's a nineteen. That's a gun. That's a man's gun. Oh. Actor Richard Anderson, best known for his roles in the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman, is dead, age ninety one. Anderson was a contract player at MGM and Fox and had nearly two hundred roles to his name, spread across film and television. He played Oscar Goldman and the Six Million Dollar Man and its spinoff, The Bionic Woman. Goldman was the head of the Office of Scientific Intelligence and boss to the eponymous Steve Austin. He was also responsible for turning James Summers... 316. Not
3: Stone Cold. (laughs) See, now
1: that's the other confusion. Steve Austin, astronaut.
4: When Oscar Goodman started running for mayor, I had it confused with Oscar
2: Goldman for a while.
1: Okay, that's fucking awesome. Did Steve Austin
2: stomp a mud hole
1: in uh, Richard Anderson there?
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so So you're
1: probably familiar with the opening sequence. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. We can make him better than he was. Better. Stronger faster. That Ba-da-da-da! was Richard Anderson. Fact check does karaoke. Mm. Besides the six million dollar man and the bionic woman, some of Anderson's biggest films included Paths of Glory, Escape from Fort Bravo, Forbidden Planet, and Seven Days in May. And on the TV side, he was seen in Knight Rider, Dynasty, and Ironside, and was the narrator on Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. Oh. Yeah. So here's another piece of fun information, unless you don't want to stream something new. One of Neil Gaiman's original projects has finally landed a U.S. home in the form of Likely Stories, assuming you're up for one more streaming service. The horror streaming service, Shudder, that's $4.99 a month. For uh, now has picked up the US rights to the collection of short films which originally aired in the UK's Sky Arts Network in 2016. The films are adapted from Gaiman's deep collection of works and short stories and share some cast members across four films. They're described as a mix of fantasy and horror. Here's how Shudder vaguely describes the series. Adapted from Gaiman's dark tales, this collection of distinct, odd, and brilliant short stories is both cinematic and strange. And each film, each character is compelled to share their story, and we're drawn into their very act of telling tall tales. While each episode has its own lead character, they are backed by an ensemble cast that play across all four bold and original films. So It's already on Shutter. so if you want to see it, you can see it now. Fork over the money. Well, here's the thing with these streaming services that doesn't bother me as much and especially if you're Amazon prime, it's even easier. Um, it's a low cost to get in and you can go on monthly month, right. see what you want to see within that month and cancel. You've basically paid a $5 rental fee for everything they own. If you can find the time to watch as much as you can.
3: Yeah, And, uh, what you were, when we were on Stargate, I was trying to look it up cause I, uh, I'd gotten an email about that cause I'm on the, the fan site. And, uh, they're charging, it says, $20 one-time only fee. Aha. Uh-huh. And then you get, like, an exclusive T-shirt and some other goodies and stuff. And, that, you gives you, too. and that gives you access to um, Stargate Origins. See, I'm comes behind that. Out, so. Yeah, you get a little talk to- like with yeah. it. Sure. So I'm guessing it's probably one time, like, a year, like $20 for the whole year. But it doesn't say anything about it being, you know, renewed. Now, at, I at believe pace, that Shutter
1: so. is one of the channels on Amazon Prime. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can usually get like at least one week of the service for free and cancel beforehand. So you can subscribe to Shutter, watch this, and then stop it before you have to pay a dime if you're Amazon Prime. So that's another option. Uh, That's one thing that makes us so upset about the Star Trek show on the CBS All Access is that they're not releasing it all at once. They're doing it like once a week. Uh, for, like a real uh, TV so show. A, like a real TV show, but on a streaming service. Yeah, what right. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: I'll be sailing the seven seas uh, before is, I
1: pay
3: the CBS thing. <laughs>
1: Yo, S- ho, ho. It's, S- S- it's S- funny. I got, got, a, hey, hey, I
2: got a, a bottle of I got a bottle of rum and ale. Arr.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got an email from CBS All Access not long ago saying, sign up for your free one month access to CBS All Access. And I'm like, hmm. Do I wait till all the episodes have yes. been released? Yes, you do. Do the free, and then just. But you, know, you binge
0: it all? You know what's going to happen.
3: A lot of people are going to do that? No,
0: it's going to be like I
3: experienced with CW and a few others.
0: They release them blocks, oh. and it's never the whole series. It's never ah. the whole season. Fuckers.
1: <clears throat> so, In that case, big finger up.
0: I, I bet you that'll be the case. If it isn't, I mean, yeah, I'd pay the money for a final month to binge. I'll pay to binge. Sure. But uh, no, I'm not going to pay month to month. Um, side note. S- Neil Gaiman's Star Wars, Ooh. and it deals with some Padawans, Ooh, <laughs> maybe nice. some younglings, and it, it's it's just force oriented. Because what he does with myth and fantasy, oh yeah, I think he could really. Now he could also actually do a pretty bitchin' kind of cantina thingy, mm-hmm. or even a Jabba's palace. He could really do a lot. Okay, yeah. s- Neil Gaiman's Star Neil Gaiman's Wars,
4: something. Pay to binge is now the uh, should be the new Las Vegas uh, slogan. (laughs) Wow! Pay to binge.
1: Yeah, really. That's put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here, here's the Star Wars movie I want. You ready? Clive Barker's Porgs. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) the one I want. That's the one I want. Is everybody oh, really that upset about these stupid things? I don't understand it. I, I don't understand the the anger towards something we haven't seen yet. They're yeah. afraid they're Ewoks. They're, they're afraid, afraid they're Ewok they're... G- Jarjars. Here, I, that's what kills me about people hating Ewoks. Ewoks are evil, smelly teddy bear munching machines. Mm-hmm. All right, they they look cute, and that's how they get you in. Yeah, they have a little friendship with the. Uh, allies for a, for a short time but after that it's it's game on you know what
0: does it for the Ewoks yub nub the 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 final the, mm-hmm. the celebration oh, the yeah the celebration It. I mean as you're saying this I'm thinking the celebration is kind of what makes them cutesy teddy bear yeah Affecting because except for the scene where three PO is telling them the story of the rebellion, mm-hmm, and pretty and you see, much and you see
1: the baby. Yeah,
0: that's pretty much and pretty much what you're right. You know, they're 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 terror teddy bears. If I, you,
1: if you haven't read the Chuck Wendig novels, the the aftermath, of the three novels, he puts these little short stories in there within the larger frame of the larger story that he's telling. And there's one about the Ewoks that puts it all in perspective for you people, that Ewoks are dangerous little shits that that sing while you boil. (laughs) That's cool right there. Yeah. No,
0: I'd watch that movie. Yeah.
1: So... So I'm, I'm willing to give Porgs a chance. Porgs. Right. So so yeah. they're, they're and, like Jarwalks? Jarwalks! And, and let's face it, Porgs look like a cross between an otter and a penguin. I'll take it. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I, I think I just really find the argument is like, oh, it's just a cutesy little toy to, for mass marketing and merchandising. And I'm like, wow. what do you think this whole fucking movie <laughs> series is about? Imagine that. <laughs> I mean. Wow. I mean. mean Lucas started it from the beginning by forgoing his director's fees so that he could have the merchandising you rights. You know how
1: many stuffed Ewoks were sold? Yeah. Lots. Lots. And they, they a lot of them smell now, but they are still around. Yeah. It's
3: like <laughs> action figures, freaking Starship toys. I mean,
1: come on. Do you think We've we can... all
3: bought all of this. Why are we bagging on somebody for creating one more item that they can sell? Ewoks Can't...
1: hit things with rocks. Yeah, Ewoks have spears. They are piercing flesh and they almost cooked our heroes. We yeah. know what they eat, whatever they kill.
0: They they sing while you boil. So can we get a license where we can create little Ewok dolls that you put in the kitchen and when you're cooking
1: <laughs> they start singing? I uh, that's yeah. I would buy that. Yeah. Yep, yep. I would definitely buy that. Uh yeah. So yeah, I'm All down, right. I'm down with porks until I'm not. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, let, yeah, he just he, realized oh, what he no, did no, 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 yeah. No, no. yeah he just did it. what what did you no, do no the uh, <laughs> you're talking
4: about the uh, licensing I just read somewhere that uh, Lucas and Spielberg were making a bet on which movie was going to do better in 77 yeah. yeah and then mm-hmm. they gave each other a percentage of each yeah. other's movies yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: that is correct yeah
2: okay and right. also sent letters to each other like congratulating them on all of their um, yeah
1: yeah Spielberg made money off Star Wars yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: A lot, apparently. That yeah. was that was confirmed. Uh, I want to say recently, but it's been within like the last, last 10 or 15 years. It was rumored for a long time, but then they finally confirmed it. I love this
1: next story. Oh, uh, yeah. I love this next story. But the deep, see. dark race recesses of <laughs> my heart.
0: The deep, dark racist part of your heart? White, white. That's, what, <laughs> white, deep, white, that's not what, what I
1: said.
3: Torgo's going to make podcasts great again. You say you say white white like, like the Ewoks going like white power Ewoks. <laughs> wait wait
4: wait wait. Wait wait. wait. <laughs> Told you wow. they were evil. Don't feed them don't feed them fried midnight? chicken
1: after oh.
0: midnight. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yikes. Hey, that's a direct reference from the movie. Yeah. Right. okay? Yeah. it is. Uh, you know, it's it's Well, it is racist even <laughs> if it is <laughs> You got me. (laughs) My
4: bad. (laughs) You can't weasel out of that one. DC.
1: DC is going to be releasing an 80-page horror anthology one-shot called DC House of Horrors. These anthologies will be written by horror novelists, including Brian Keene, Nick Cutter, Ronald Malfi, Brian Smith, Rath James White, Mary Sangiovanni, Weston Oaks, and Edward Lee. These guys and gals are some of the greats in modern horror writing. Mm. The comics will focus on the DC characters, but reimagining them into a horror setting. The DC House of Horror hits comic shops on October 25th, 2017, but go ahead and pre-order now, people. I have read novels from every single one of these people, and yes, these are some of the best horror writers right now. Hmm, nice. They, They were part of that great leisure line of horror fiction, and they all kind of went there are separate ways when that all fell apart, but they are all still riding and all still doing great work. And In uh, fact, two of them, I'm kind of surprised, are attached. Uh, Rath James White and Edward Lee. These are guys that are known for extreme body horror. Ooh! So th- these are two guys that pull no punches Ooh. and write brutal books. So I'm really impressed that DC allowed them to play with major superheroes.
4: Do you have anything this week about the thing with the holes that are freaking people out from... Uh there's some mania that people are like afraid of holes or. Well, hol- oh, that's been around forever. Apparently, the 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 preview for American Horror Three is is triggering people.
1: I mean, American Horror uh, Anthology. Eight? Or no, this one's seven. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever the latest, <laughs> whatever the latest one is, is freaking people out. Uh, cult, the new Cult one. I, I, I I've seen all the previews that I'm aware of. I mean, there's a lot of clowns in it. Mm. But I don't know. Apparently, anything. there's holes in it somewhere. Okay. Now, it's. I get it. There, there's this kind of, I had, there was somebody at work that I used to work with that had that, they were freaked out by like evenly spaced holes in things. Like there's that frog that gives birth from its back. Yeah. For example, and that has like evenly spaced holes in its back, and that was kind of very offsetting, off putting. It's off putting. We have ever heard of it. Or certain mm. poppies that have that look, and that things come out of it. Yeah. And what people will do is they'll take that poppy and use um, Photoshop and put it over somebody's skin, oh, yeah, so yeah. it looks like that's horrible. Somebody has those holes in their yeah, skin yeah. and evenly spaced, and so on. And yeah, that's unsettling. Or even better, they put it on an areola of a nipple. Mm. So. And so yeah, it's disturbing in itself, but I don't know what it has to do with American it is. horror story. It
0: is. It's an uh, American horror story cult. Um a character, Sarah Paulson's character, is afraid of objects with holes in it. It's ah. and it's a phobia called tripo tripophobia or tripophobia. And um it I I guess it's people are talking about it triggering uh other
1: people with that phobia? Yes. Mm. All so, right. Well, I have to say, and I'm anxious it. for this new season. Yeah. Last season was amazing. That was a hell of an experiment. Yeah. Roanoke was probably my favorite one since Freak Show. Mm. So, yeah, American Horror Story 6 was great. So this one's supposed to be the first non-supernatural horror story in the series. Well, there you so go. that's going to be fun to see, too. True Detective is up to three. That's
4: what I'm thinking. That's yes. I got the three from.
1: Okay. So... But I just want to remind you, DC, House of Horrors, coming in October. If you want to see the best horror writers writing right now, they're all working on that. Yeah, that sounds great. And why not? You brought it up, so we'll do the next story of that. Hey, HBO has officially given the go-ahead to the third season of Nick Pizz- uh, is it Pizzolatto's crime series True Detective. Uh, earlier this summer, HBO closed a deal with Oscar winner... Uh, Marshala Ali, that was the guy that played Cottonmouth, mm-hmm. mm. uh, to star in the third installment. Oh. Uh, Ooh. Jerry Saulnier, uh the guy that directed The Green Room, another fantastic movie, has been set as the season three director alongside Pizzolato, who will make his directorial debut on the series. uh, Deadline Hollywood reports season three of True Detective tells the story of a dark crime in the heart of the Ozarks and, quote, a mystery that deepens over decades and plays out in three separate time periods, unquote. Ali plays the lead role of Wayne Hayes, a state police detective from northwest Arkansas. Like with the breakout first season of True Detective, which Pizzolatto wrote by himself, he is the only writer on this newest season, Mm. except for episode four, which he co-wrote with David Milch. Pizzolatto will also serve as showrunner and will executive produce. Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, who co-starred in season one, will also serve as producers.
3: I... uh it makes that makes me want to uh watch that one mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. i stayed mm-hmm. away from part two because many two, people warned me off yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah. but, but, but but it
3: pizza. wasn't great and it also kind of fizzled out at the end sure but
1: it really wasn't pizzolato's child no. i haven't watched no.
3: any of it
4: they're not the the seasons aren't related
1: really no. right they're individual no. stories okay. um and i think you, he
3: was originally supposed to be involved with season two and then they went like because because harrelson and mcconaughey were producers or listed as producers on season two, but yeah, the the story... Made bad decisions. Yeah. Mm. And it sucked, too, because they had a really wonderful cast for season two. And the acting was, was perfectly fine. It just... It, the stories were just like, uh, well, um, what? All the time. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
1: you... It- Andy, you didn't see season one of Not Two
4: Detectives? It's, it's, it's on my list. It's on my very short list of things oh, i got to watch. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely on to watch cage. season one. Uh, uh,
1: uh, just for the king and yellow aspects. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and
4: yeah. It's, I know. And I know. It's like, that is actually a very short list. I, it's one of those ones I haven't watched because I know I have to sit down and really watch it. Yeah, this yes. is this
3: is an active watcher. Yeah. You have to That's true. Pay attention to uh, all the details. You've
0: mentioned that your watching really consists of playing while you're working on projects. And yeah, stuff, a lot of that. A yeah. lot of your watching,
4: which is weird with Lynch. Caves only have to run back and go. Wait. What well, yes. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Wait. 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 You. Andy,
1: are, uh, wait. I got to stop this right now. You are working on other things while watching Twin Peaks.
4: Okay, <laughs> but. The okay, work is but- the work is suffering from the watching because last night I was working with hot glue on something, and I have, which in itself is frightening. I will show you the blisters on my fingers <laughs> from I could have told not that paying was- enough attention <laughs> to the hot glue <laughs> because I was watching something on the screen. So, yeah. yeah,
1: Lynch. I can't think of a single Lynch film you can't actively watch. I, I mean you can't passively watch Lynch. Uh, it, can't it's, passively it, watch anything. It's slow enough. Is this that how can... you watch Luke Cage and, and no. all that?
4: No. no. Okay. But it's, it's Lynch is slow enough that I can glance down at what I'm working on and look up. I'm working on mm, a no. lot of handwork. No. Lynch, Lynch is pretty visual. Yes, he is. He usually
1: has something going on, not in the foreground, the background.
4: Glance. Glance. Just, I'm, I'm like, with something with my hands, I'm not even looking at what I'm doing with my hands. There's no, no character named Lance.
2: Yeah. You're losing this argument, buddy.
4: David Lynch's. Glance. Glance. <laughs>
2: that's,
1: that's actually that's a perfume. New fra- that's a new fragrance, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, here you go. Horror director Eli Roth.
3: That fucker. Uh, and it's in, in this, this category? category? It's in
1: this category. Ooh. I loosely use the term horror director. I'll give him horror director. He's not one of my favorites, and he's very hit or miss with me, as a ho- even with a horror fan, but yeah, Roth... Is hitting AMC with a new history of horror series premiering next year on the cable network. Currently titled AMC Visionaries, Eli Roth's History of Horror is a six-part dissection of the horror genre as part of AMC's new visionary docuseries. A sick part? Sick. Well, it is the Eli Roth. Oh, okay. I'm thrilled to be part of this incredible series, he says. For years, I've wanted to create a definite history of horror, a living record of the genre with interviews from all the greats, old and new, said Roth. Sadly, we lose more of these masters every year, and with them go their stories and experiences. This show will serve as a record for future generations, fans and filmmakers alike, to enjoy. I could not be prouder to create this with AMC, unquote. No further description of the series was revealed, but it will premiere sometime in 2018. This project joins the previously announced AMC Visionaries' Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics and AMC Visionaries' James Cameron's Story of Science Fiction. I love yeah. this Visionary series yeah. idea. Even oh. if Eli Roth is doing the horror, he respects the genre. You might not be, fe- be a fan of what he does, but I am a fan of what he knows. Yeah, fair enough. Dark Horse Entertainment keeps churning out new announcements through a TV development deal through Universal Cable Productions. Sam Raimi, the Evil Dead creator who's been a regular fixture in genre television for decades, will produce Tannis, a TV project, no a TV project based on the hit genre podcast of the same name, Excellent. which will be developed by Lee Shipman, who did The Sun, and podcast showrunner Terry Miles. A spinoff of the smash hit Black Tapes podcast... Tannis is part conspiracy thriller, part ancient mystery. Also on the list of new projects is Mind Management, the Dark Horse comic by uh, Matt Kint uh, about a secretive government agency of super spies. That project will be in development by Dan Cerrone, who did The Blacklist. The deal also now includes an adaptation of Jeannie Woods' acclaimed indie comic Flutter, developed by Katherine Lindbergh and Mark Rosen, and an adaptation of The Bright Sessions podcast by creator Lauren Shippen and Gabriel G. Stanton. Still no word on the series based on Tiger Man of the Swamp.
3: Okay. So. Damn it. The
4: Tannis one. is. Tell me be. about Tannis. That really got you excited. Uh, Renee has been listening to and trying to get me to listen more of it. I've listened to an uh, episode or two of it. It's really it, it's, it plays out like it's a documentary. Okay. But it isn't. I, I like fake documentaries. Yeah. Um, yeah it's just bizarre and creepy and uh, it's hard to it's really hard to describe is
1: it one story or multiple stories it's all one
4: story okay and it's trying there's a science fiction writer who wrote a story about tannis which is this actual place but there's not been much written about it because somebody has been keeping the writing under wraps and it's yeah
1: How many episodes would you say is in so far? It's still running. Right. I mean, it's, but it's, but it's, how long it's, has it
4: been running, uh, I guess? I'm guessing 20 or 30.
1: Okay. Respectable
4: yeah, I mean, for a story podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's no... Uh, for one story. Night Vale, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's a long runner. Yeah. Oh, how God. If I haven't gone back to listen. I was listening to Night Vale when I was face down. Mm-hmm. And I would because of this, that, that sonorous voice of Cecil. sure, I would put that on as I was trying to sleep because I had real hard, real hard time sleeping on my face. Yes. Um, and so I would wake up to the weather. Oh, God. <laughs> <And> whatever <laughs> yeah. song was going to... Right. Like every, like every episode you'd wake up for the weather? And then I would hear the climax of every episode after the weather. I'm like, what the, <laughs> f- the hell <laughs> went to that? <laughs> so, you know what? So I, I had to go
2: back and listen to him during the day when I was awake. I, I just thought of a director for Star Wars. Yeah? Joss Whedon.
1: Yeah. I'd get behind that. Yeah. I'd definitely yeah. get
2: behind that. Definitely. Uh, can't believe we didn't say that.
1: <laughs> I attempted yeah. the Welcome to Night Vale novel. Okay. Twice now. There's,
4: there's there's one that's basically a collection of the first few episodes, and there's one that's an original
1: this novel. This is the original novel okay. I'm speaking of. Um, I know it's been... Nominated at least once. Is that for mostly the, void, partial stars, or is that no? That's. I think it's called Welcome to Vine Vale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the I know it's been nominated for the book club at least once, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that got me interested. So I I tried once reading it. I, I bought it, found it cheap on Amazon, mm-hmm. and then I also tried listening to the audiobook mm-hmm. and got a little further even with that, but it just couldn't hold me. I, I think it's something that works as that kind of. Esoteric podcast in mm-hmm. that that news format. Yep. But I don't think that kind of dark comedy, uh, experimental horror voice works in a novel format. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it tries. It, it certainly really tries. It's a
4: live show. If you ever get a chance to see, welcome to Night Vale live. It's astounding. It's wonderful. Okay. But uh, but yeah,
1: I've I've
4: hit the wall twice on that novel. Yeah, so. I can see that. It's it's. I mean, I'm, I'm, i i I've not
1: listened to the whole thing, and I love it. Paramount Pictures has picked up the rights to a new Dracula prequel film. Well, stay with me. Stay with me. Project called Dracool. Okay. C-O-O-L? Uh, no.
4: Yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the script. Fonzie is a vampire. After Teen Wolf. Dracool. Dracool. Yeah. Dracool. Wait, cut this part out. I'm gonna make this rumor, write this book. <laughs> 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 no, no, Andy, we established a long time ago
1: you just have to shout TM TM that's official.
3: TM Dracool. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's recorded, it's you know, we have this to prove it. So mm-hmm. it'll just time stamped.
3: <laughs> so that'll just be another project
1: Andy never finished. Right, exactly. Oh Ow. man. A kick right in the yeah. pillow. <laughs> <laughs> the script for the film is being co written by Bram Stoker's great grandnephew nephew. Dakra Stoker and J.D. Barker. What's the first name again? Dakra, D-A-C-R-E. D-A-C-R-E. Okay. They're Jewish, you know.
2: Dakra Stoker, mm-hmm. huh?
1: The film is being set up as a directing project for IT director Andy Muschietti. Mm-hmm. So we already know it's that's some good hands. According to Deadline, the story is set in 1868, quote, where a 21-year-old Bram Stoker meets with an ungodly evil that he traps in an ancient tower, all the while scribbling the events that led him there." Unquote. With Dr. Stoker being involved with the project, this will be the first Dracula prequel story fully authorized by Bram Stoker's estate. This isn't the first time. He's played around with the vampire heritage though. In 2009, he co-wrote a novel called Dracula, the Undash dead and then 2011, he directed a documentary called Dracula Meets Stoker. As for Muschietti coming on board to direct, he's got a few projects in the pipeline already, such as the sequel to it mm-hmm. as well. And he says his next movie after that is going to be Robotech. We already talked about that okay. as well. So if, if he does sign on, expect this down the way. Um, mm.
4: I just read a zine, actually. Somebody wrote there, put a short story into a zine that I picked up at some convention and came to the top of the surface of my piles as I was cleaning the house out. um and it was Nikolai Tesla versus vampires. And one of the things Nikolai Tesla does is telegraph Bram Stoker to find out if the book
1: was real or not. And huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's cute. Raven Metzner has been tapped as the new showrunner for the second season of Marvel's Iron Fist, replacing season one showrunner ru- show Scott Buck, who has now moved on to Marvel's Inhumans at ABC. And from what I'm hearing about the Inhumans... That's not doing so well critically.
3: Oh, I wonder why. weren't we supposed to just had the uh, the big screen reveal? It happened. Yeah, it it happened. It did come and go. I because I I remember going. Oh, I should look up to see when that's happening. And the the word coming from that
1: is not good, like at all. Mm. Like like hearing phrases like the Inhumans is the worst of the MCU so far. Oh, awesome. Well, it's good to put the Iron Fist guy in it then. <laughs> wow. Well, it's the Iron Fist guy that did it.
4: Oh, the guy that didn't. Yeah. Ones? Well, that explains it. it. So. That's what I
2: just. Yeah. Uh. No,
4: no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Andy's saying Finn <sighs> Jones. He's oh, saying Danny actor. Rand. No, I'm saying I, I thought you were saying that the director, the showrunner, the showrunner
1: went from one to the other. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're all oh, them. Oh. Okay. All right. Uh, Never mind. Metzner recently ended a stint executive producer on Fox's Sleepy Hollow. Was a consulting is that still a thing? Hmm. Uh, No, that ended. (laughs) Uh, Was a consulting (laughs) producer on Heroes Reborn and Falling Skies, and Once Upon a Time penned a script for Electra. Season two will see Danny Rand, still Finn Jones, uh, return as the Living Weapon after his stint in this summer's The Defenders. Also back is Colleen Wing, she will who will team up with Luke Cage's Misty Knight. The Daughters of the Dragon united on the small screen for the first time. Yay. So yes, and uh, unless this last episode of Iron Fist screws the pooch, I'm excited for this. Good. Especially if there's a new new showrunner, uh, because that might mean some better choices in direction. There's a good chunk of Miss Unite and Defenders, so you'll enjoy that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 a chunk of Misty. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of know. It's a little spoiled. <laughs> Let's see. Hey, yeah, let's do this one, too. Uh, producers Scott Steindorf and Dylan Russell.
3: It's like, it's like a three-way joke that only they know what they're talking about. I'm I'm just sitting here going, I have no idea what's happening. I have no who's, idea what's who, going on fault?
1: here. Fault? It's yours and mine, Jeff. It's your and my no. fault. We can't blame <laughs> anyone else for not understanding this I joke. I guess. Producers St- Scott Steindorf and Dylan Russell have picked up the film and TV rights to the God Wave trilogy of books. Written by Patrick Hemstreet, the books follow a neuroscientist and a mathematician who have figured out how to unlock, quote, incredible power dormant in 90% of the human brain, unquote. Boy, does that oh, sound Oh, God, sound not sound familiar. Familiar. That's a myth. Test subjects develop godlike powers, but will these powers be used for good or evil? Uh, the God Wave was published last year, and the second book in the series, The God Peak, came out a couple weeks ago. And there's a third book in the works. Uh, Steindorf and Russell paid six figures for the trilogy of books, which they intend to turn into a series of movies. Hemstreet will be executive producer on the film.
4: Stop making things based on the idea we only use 10% of our brain. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, hell, that that whole thing was... They, they re-brought out the contradictory research that proves that humans use much more of their brain than 10% when uh, the Scarlett Johansson film came out. Uh, I, shoot, can't, I, I can't totally remember the name the of name. Yeah, uh, and that was just Lucy. Lucy, thank yeah, you. And that was just, what, three years ago? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I you're, you're right, Andy. Everybody just needs to stop with we, this. We use this. all our brains, people. Yeah. yeah. All of it. Just use it all at once. We just hop around. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, certain areas of the brain get—I mean, in the, the functional MRIs that they have done, you know, you see several different areas of the the brain are lit up when you're doing a simple task like, you know, recognition. Or translating Eddie, speech, etc. it's walking et one
2: place to another yeah. without spilling shit. It's I like, mean, like a it Christmas a- tree. <laughs> no, 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 no. So oh, there's geez. an
4: active part of my brain that I'm not aware of that lights up to try and spill shit. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. <laughs> We'd use 100% of our brains if it wasn't for the vaccines. Ah. Mm. No sons of
3: bitches. Stop that. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't even joke about it. Gosh. Oh. Uh, don't ask. It's a long, and painful story. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's I can
1: read it on your face. Yeah. They made
4: a f- bunch of things about you. We only use 10% of our brain mm. a
3: long time ago when that first came out. And that's fine because we didn't know. Now we know. Yeah. Shut up. But I mean, the funny thing is that that research was debunked something like 30 years ago. Yes. So, yeah, I get when we were kids, when they didn't really know exactly how the brain worked, that... Some people theorized this, and this theory became suddenly fact. But when when neuroscientists were like, "Well, you know, we're not done
1: with our research. Right. You probably shouldn't be putting that out that's there as a common fact. thing." But you know what? Gamma rays won't turn you into the Hulk either, right? right. So, so, I'm so no, think, they'll uh, just kill you. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we kind of that, that's this is no different. This cool. is just an or, a easy origin to make superheroes. Well,
4: that's I mean that's. I mean that's what happens all, all the origins of superheroes depend on whatever the cutting edge technology we don't know about that's why suddenly everything was nanotech suddenly everything was uh, somebody just killed
0: a porg
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> no
1: they're not as cute as I thought they'd sound
3: <laughs> what was the short film that you did uh, that you helped out on with the uh, the the people that get exposed to like some radioactive goop and they develop oh, superpowers, yeah, but they also develop like super cancer yes. and they all die. Oh, that's a punchline. Yes, <laughs> that, yeah. that um, one killed me because it's like yes, super thank awesome you. buddy squad. It's on yes. YouTube. Because that, yeah, it's like yeah, they develop powers, but at the very end, you know, they all had cancer <laughs> that was super aggressive <laughs> <laughs> and killed
1: them all. Wouldn't it be great if Porg sounded like that? (laughs) Sounded like someone blowing their nose. Uh, Well, now... What do you you think, Captain Sprinkles? (laughs) There you go. Dude,
3: we'll we'll have a fan remix within a month. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, please let them be like all cutesy and then all of a sudden they... Get, like, claws and fangs mm. and yes. yellow eyes and... Mm. <laughs> I, I, I hope porks do have, like, uh, My Little Pony names, too. Captain Sprinkles and... You know. <laughs> Be like the, the little cutesy aliens in Galaxy Quest that right. suddenly go... <laughs> they start tearing the yeah, other but one they up. All,
1: but they all sound like very White. Oh, they're going to help <laughs> yeah. the injured one. R.L. Stein's horror book series, Fear Street is being developed into a potential film trilogy at 20th Century Fox. Arlstein, Stine, horror, the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the studio has tapped Lee Janiak, who did Outcast and MTV's Scream, to direct and oversee the development of the scripts for the various projects. Kyle Killen from Awake, uh, Zach Okowitz and Silka Luisa from the Wilding are all locked in to write scripts for the proposed franchise. In case you didn't come of age in the 90s, Fear Street is a book series from author R.L. Stein that was a slightly more mature take on horror when compared to his more kid-friendly Goosebumps series. The stories took place in the city of Shadyside and focus on teens dealing with everything from evil ghosts to straight-up murder mysteries. They're a bit gorier and scarier than Stein's typical fare, so you're probably looking at something PG-13-ish. There are more than a hundred stories in the Fear Street franchise, including all sorts of spin-offs, so there's no shortage of stories to draw from when it comes to time to make the movie. Uh, The film series is set to release just a month or so after one another, instead of the usual waiting a year to release the next chapter in a trilogy or series. Hmm. They hope that this new idea will have people binging the films and wanting to check them out. That's an interesting interesting concept, right there. Yeah, doing a film binge, a film trilogy over a course of a few months. That's. That's fun. That's exciting. (laughs) That's some Back to the Future shit right there.
3: I I loved that. How those back to back. Those it was like here's the here's Back to the Part Future Part Two. And guess what? In a few months, you're gonna have Part Three. How far apart were those two? Was it seven months, eight months, something like that? Mm -hmm. See now you're gonna make me look it up. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah make look it up. You
0: should know you're the Back to the Future fiend. Uh,
1: yeah. I... go back in hey, time and stuff. check it out. You don't
3: know your shit. I for. don't know the the
1: specific months. I will I will admit to that. So Fear Street was the YA books of the '90s, the horror series. Mm-hmm. I never read any of them, of course, at that point. And I was in college, so I kind of felt myself above it. But I would go revisit. That I haven't now. read any
4: RL Stein. I learned an interview
1: with him, and he sounded like a cool guy. I, I met him at uh, the Stoker <laughs> Con. Last, oh right, StokerCon last, last year. Oh god, that was. Thank you, StokerCon, for coming to Vegas one year. I know you'll never be back because it wasn't successful. But thank mm. you for giving us a shot, really. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet and have Arl Stein sign my Kindle. <laughs> R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Uh, when I lived in Evansville, Indiana, I was working at Books a Million. Uh, if you're not familiar with Books a Million, think of like Barnes and Noble, but not as cool. Uh, I don't think it's there anymore, at least not in Evansville, but uh, my college job, working at a bookstore, you know, perfect for me. It was great. But I was in charge of children's activities. I don't know why I accepted that. I'm not into kids, but all right, I will figure out activities. I think I I created a a Pogs championship. Uh, I, I tried to do a Magic the Gathering championship, but we only had two people sign up, but We did have an evening. Ooh, to lose that championship. right? Ouch. You're an asshole to lose that. Come in third. (laughs) 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 But one night, and and we would have a regular kids story corner on the weekends where I'd read a kid's book to about seven or eight kids. One night, we decided to have a Goosebumps reading. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was like on a Saturday night, early, you know, seven, seven, eight, maybe tops. And we had about six kids there. And I have read, I can't even remember, Goosebumps books all kind of run together with me. But every chapter of the Goosebumps books ends in a cliffhanger. And that cliffhanger is almost always, and it, then it jumped out at him. Like to talk about something else, then all of a sudden, and then it jumped out at him. And that thing is always like a cat or mm-hmm. or the kid brother mm-hmm. or or something you know innocuous that's it's filled with all sorts of red herrings mm-hmm. but i am reading this to children probably in the 7 to 9 range mm-hmm. those kids lost their shit at mm-hmm. the end of every chapter mm-hmm. and i and i i forever have ingrained in my memory this little girl in a little white dress—I'd say she's probably about six years old.
2: Turned into a brown dress, and
1: I have never seen—I <laughs> <laughs> have never seen larger saucer eyes oh, okay. in my life. That, that, ev- that we'd hit the end of that chapter, and the eyes would bug out. That girl got no sleep that night. That How was long, long my mind? This this would be about 94, probably, when I did this.
4: So these kids are adults now? Yes. And, man, I'd love to hear them tell that story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there was this guy who, like, scarred me for life yeah. reading these stories. <laughs> and
1: next, kids... Clive Barker's *The Hellbound Heart*.
3: Mm. <laughs> the first
4: time I experienced Poe, it was somebody reading *The Telltale Heart*. Ah, yeah, and that was that was, and I was about that age. You were saying I was, I was probably probably nine or so.
2: You were nine year olds. Nine?
3: You you've always been old to me. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> one, you were nine. Well, it was Poe kind of. himself
1: that was reading his own novel. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. to answer
3: your question, it was November 89 for Back to the Future Part 2 and May of 90 for Part 3. I knew quick. one of them was yeah, a summer. Seven months, one yeah. of them was
1: a summer movie. Yeah. What's your fear, Street? Write to us comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo, 80's Jeff, Commander K, Fact Check Dandy, Maple Leaf Matt, and we'll talk to you next week in geek. I, I love the idea that I, I've scarred adults from that early Yeah, age. no, I, I honestly,
4: I would... I would God, I, there's no way to find those people, unfortunately. No, no way. Unless
1: through some weird
4: fluke, one of them have to be a listener, and right? I just like, triggered something like, oh, shit, that was Torgo that read that to me back when I was How there. did Torgo
3: scar you? Write to us. Come <laughs> in. <It's coming. Yeah. laughs> Show us on the Andy where Torgo touched
2: <laughs> you. Yeah, if you write bit. to us where Andy uh, scarred you, you'd be like a Jumbo Jet airmail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and all washes off. Where Andy <laughs>
0: scarred himself. <laughs>
4: All my fingertips are burning.